0: So Mark, you, why is it atypical? Well just let's go from uh uh af- from the Arctic uh temperatures hitting uh highest numbers since nineteen thirty-six to the uh awkward uh which would be kind withdrawal from Afghanistan, to China implementing their common prosperity program, uh and then moving on to uh the upcoming events at Jackson Hole. I think this is Somewhat more atypical than your, uh, uh, regular economy. Um, I want to discuss some of the headwinds and tailwinds that are going on, but it is really a, uh, highly unusual environment for a lot of the things we've covered in the past. But, uh, if we can jump to the next slide, I want to just touch on the, the headwinds. Not, I, I took, I took, I gave you okay, back. Okay, I got it. Thank you. Yep. Uh, we'll cover the headwinds for the economy, the tailwinds and talk about our base case and, I'll give you the a little cheat to the end. Um, we think this is still a very good time to be investing in equities, whether you're in the private or public sector of the market um, to invest. We think it's uh, an environment that's also actually good for traders and investors uh, for different reasons. But uh, given the headline risk, there's plenty of opportunities for traders to trade around the news. Um, but for investors, we think if you take a secular view, you're going to do Quite well, and I'll get into the reasons for that in one sec, but you know, the headwinds are, are big and they're growing and they're real. Uh, you know, the geopolitical issues just seem to be getting worse and worse by the second around the globe. <clears throat> the Delta Lambda and other virus uncertainties continue to, uh, plague us. Although if you listen to, uh, Glenn Grossman and, uh, Dr. Fauci and others, you think we might be hitting peak there. Um, but there's still a lot of concern, particularly around uh the reopening uh as it relates to that uh slowing global growth is natural when we've had such a big run from uh year over year numbers and you know China has certainly been both uh slowing down uh, uh economically but also politically they're trying to slow the economy down to manage the economy better um but we are going to go from a to a, a level of slower growth going forward but that's not necessarily unhealthy and it's still off a very high number supply chain disruptions continue to get worse um, a lot of that's around the ports uh, issues in china but um the numbers are backing up the price of shipping is getting higher and that's putting pressure on uh inflation concerns uh the shortages are well documented but now we're looking at uh increased concerns about tapering and then uh you know, you can't open up the papers without concerns about the regulatory environment. And I left off the political uh, gyrations in Washington, D.C. on the uh, stimulus plans and the reconciliation bill and the infrastructure bill. But um where they go and are they positives or negatives, I think they'll be on both sides of the ledger. Um From a headline perspective, they'll be on the headwind side of the ledger. Uh, the reality is we're going to continue to be supporting the economy. So you know the shortages are real though, and I'm uh trying to get a car for one of help my one of my kids get a car. Um, the numbers on that are ridiculous. This is a look at the uh, inventory to sales ratio, and you can see how low the uh inventory to sales availability is. That's just one uh, sample of it, whether you look at the chip issues, which are part of the cause of this or uh, other areas that are we're experiencing shortages. This is a real issue and something we have to watch. Inflation is one that's, uh, really getting a lot of press right now, and we'll see what happens with, uh, the Jackson Hole, uh, comments from central bankers, but we have had some pretty intense short-term inflationary pressures. When you look at this chart, this is the market's expectations for the break-even inflation rates for five and 10 year periods, five being in the red, uh, uh, the 10 year in the blue. And you're looking at, you know, really heightened inflation levels, but Certainly coming back down and, and not getting out of control, uh, with the hook back down. So we're not in the, we're in the camp. It's run hotter than we thought it was going to, but, um, it's certainly not what's keeping us up at night is the inflation concerns. Um, the tailwinds are big and I'm going to start with the monetary policy support with Jackson Hole coming up. There's a lot of discussion on tapering and if we do start to taper and when they make the announcement, Keep in mind, one, monetary policy works on a lag effect anywhere between 12 and 18 months. And in the last year, we've put $4 trillion to work uh, in terms of monetary policy initiatives. That's the balance sheet expansion. So <clears throat> that has to still work through the economy, and most of that is not – we've not seen the economic impact of that. If we start to taper from the current levels of around $120 uh, billion a month – if they take it down by a third or even by a half, you're still looking at adding over $600 billion of stimulus over the next, uh, 12 months. So to say we're, uh, we're tightening is really a stretch in our view, uh, from that perspective. And that doesn't mean that rates will be moving up, uh, anytime soon. They should move up to a higher level, but we don't think fear runaway inflation there inventory rebuilds are going to be a big driver of uh, the economic growth going forward just in time doesn't work anymore and a more resilient inventory management system is going to require us to get back to uh, just in time levels for some and then start the rebuild that's going to push things forward we've talked about the record consumer net worth or consumers sitting on massive amounts of cash that are in excess savings but business spendings and business startups continue to be on the rise and then we're going to get infrastructure spending, both the new bill, but the ongoing spending on the state and local government level. So just look at the CapEx number is massive and going to continue to go up. That's a big driver for productivity improvements, which we think is going to be one of the key elements of what goes on here. And uh, as we get more productive, you're going to see um, uh, better numbers for the economy, But you're also starting to see new business formation coming as well. So for a lot of the talk about people who aren't going back to their own old jobs, where are they going to go? They're going to go to some of these new businesses that are starting up and hoping they're getting into a better environment going forward. We think this new business formation is uh, really an interesting dynamic that's going on and not really talked about quite as much. And that has a lag effect, but that could drive the economy and uh, future growth forward because- New businesses are where much of the employment or small businesses are where much of the employment comes in. So our base case is really to, we continue to focus on the six transformations I've talked about for the last nine months, 10 months. The monetary and fiscal, the political and geopolitical, the social and societal, which is a big, is a big one. And we think what's going on in China there with uh, what she's trying to put forth with this common prosperity is something that's going to impact businesses all over the world. Uh, and investors all over the world. It's not going to be isolated to China because it's going to change how capital flows, uh, how capital will flow going forward. The world is swimming in liquidity and uh, new business startups are a reflection of that. CapEx is a reflection of that. Um, the buybacks that we're seeing continue to be a reflection of that. M&A activity is a reflection of that. The SPAC market, the private um, venture markets are all reflections of the massive amounts of liquidity that exists today And even with uh, tapering occurring, we don't think that's going to dramatically change the reality of what's going on, which is we are swimming in liquidity right now. The Fed's not going to tighten. They could start to taper, um, but that doesn't imply a rate increase anytime soon. Um, So we think that this is going to be a period, not just the Fed, but other central banks around the world are going to be easing policy. There's discussions that China's going to be doing some easing. Because they're trying to manage a slowing, a slowdown of their economy to ensure uh, social stability and redirection. They are going to redirect capital, uh, because they want more evenness to, uh, their economic growth. And they're also worried about, uh, the population, the masses getting, uh, disgruntled with the government. So, uh, President Xi is looking to be, uh, president for an extended period. Um, and his goals and his views are going to push uh, their policy, and their policy is to keep the population happy. We think this is uh, part of the step for that is <clears throat> an easing of uh, monetary conditions out of China as well, probably reducing the reserve ratio requirement. Consumers, corporations, and governments are all spending to improve productivity right now. Uh, and we think that's going to continue. They want to be more productive, whether it's Redesigning your home to work at home or for corporations to, uh, manage to deal with, uh, their rising costs to bring, uh, costs down or the government spending on infrastructure to make us a more productive society. Those are all elements that are going to improve productivity. And that is critical when you have, uh, population growth, uh, slowing down. We remain positive on the outlook for corporate earnings, uh, in particular and uh profits but this is going to be a highly selective market you've heard me say before you want to avoid the uh really low multiple p stocks and the really high p stocks we think they're both uh in those positions for a reason and it's going to be hard to uh for the low p stocks to break out and for the high p stocks to maintain their growth rates to have a more orderly uh movement uh but we don't think there're many choices for investors in the markets today we think inflation stays muted, productivity increases will be significant as a result, which makes the equity markets a really good place. And for all the noise about the spend, prior to um the, the latest uh infrastructure uh bipartisan infrastructure bill and the three and a half trillion that's being proposed uh by the administration in reconciliation, the Congressional Budget Office has figured out what the cumulative GDP will be for the US. Uh, between 2022 and 2031. And it's going to grow by $287 trillion cumulatively over that 10 year period. GDP is projected to hit 33 trillion at that time, up from 22.4 trillion today. And the deficit is only projected to be around 900 billion at that time, coming down from the three uh, trillion that it is today. So. It's easy to get caught up in all the negatives and to be put off by the headline stuff. And if you're a trader, there are some real opportunities to make money in this environment. But if you're an investor and you invest in the secular themes, we think there's equally big opportunities to make money. And you can see that and I'll give just give a couple examples. I don't know if anyone saw Barron's this weekend, but they did a interesting thing on big tech <clears throat> and they looked at Amazon. And they said the company is in three of the high growth businesses, online advertising, cloud computing, and transportation logistics, all areas that whether you're looking at the public or private sector are big opportunities, their cloud computing business alone did $100 billion. Uh, and if you put a 15 multiple on that, which is not unusual for cloud, you'd be at $1.5 trillion market cap uh, for just their cloud business. We think cloud's in the third inning of development, um, but their whole company is selling for $1.6 trillion right now. So you're basically getting the rest of Amazon x cloud for $100 billion. Think about that. Or look at Google, their YouTube ad revenue. Last year, uh, it grew 84%. Its revenues are now equal to the revenue of Netflix just for YouTube ad revenue. Um if you put a market multiple on that, uh you get uh you're getting the rest of the uh alphabet business for a fraction of of the overall value. So there are big opportunities out there. There are big opportunities in small caps and mid-caps as well. But this is a market that uh if you just listen to the headline news, you would be uh running away from. And yet we think that this is gonna be one of the times you can really build capital. You won't build it as fast as you did for the last year. We hit 100% growth in the fastest time we've ever hit that in the, in the market. We did it in under a year. Um, if you, the market grew at its normal rate, it would take another 12 for it to double again, but that doesn't mean you're still not going to get good returns and good opportunities to make money in the environment. So I'll stop there, Mark. Uh, Steven, this is on quick question. What are your thoughts on the real estate? Uh, sector, if any, uh, in terms of what the outlook is for the next 12 to 24 months? Uh, well, I think there's two real there's more than one real estate market. Um, so, uh, you know, if you follow some of the smartest real estate investors and look at what they're doing and Blackstone and uh, Brookfield would be among the, the top in that area, they're going into the, they're looking at logistics. uh uh, more than, uh, most areas and, you know, the dealing with that. Um, I think the residential market, uh, continues to, uh, do quite well and, uh, should for a while. And you have a lot of shifts going on from, uh, the, the work from home that's going to change where people are living. So I think that's going to be good for the residential market. Although prices are high, rates are going to stay low. Um, I think the commercial one is, uh, more difficult area uh, in the near term, but um, I think over the long term, uh, real estate's still going to be uh, generally fine. There'll be transitions like there always are. Other questions, comments? Uh, Stephen, as a as a person who is like you know, a booster of the emerging Midwest region. This uh, cumulative GDP growth, uh, you know, is the Midwest. Are we going to get our share of this, or is, is there are there going to be any, so to speak, disparities in the in how this growth is spread out around the country? If you understand I, the question, I do, uh, and I think you bring up a great point, which is one of the things that's going to confound a lot of people is globally. The opportunities are going to be, they're, they're typically uneven. I think this is an environment where, um, the winners and losers are more exaggerated. And, uh, I've said that for most of the last year that I think there are three types of inequality. There's country inequality, there's company inequality, and then there's individual inequalities. Um, I don't think the benefits of this will, will be even. I think you're going to see in the U.S. to your question, the Midwest should be a, a bigger beneficiary because The, uh, climate problems are pushing, uh, a lot of people that way. Um, the coasts are getting very expensive and you add to that, the climate issues. And, you know, we dodged a bullet with, uh, Henri, uh, this weekend on the, uh, in the Long Island area. And, uh, you know, I think that it does create a lot of worries for, for people where they want to live. So I think the Midwest is a natural, uh, beneficiary of it when, when, uh, uh, at the event in September, Nancy Lazar, who's been on this theme for a while, thinks that the reshoring of, uh, and, uh, onshoring of manufacturing will benefit the Midwest, uh, particularly well. I think there's a number of factors that are going to drive capital that way. And there'll be winners and losers in the process as there always are. You know, I saw Jonathan Dane. Jonathan, if you're on, since you're in the Midwest, do you have a, a view on that? Or Phil Kessler? I'm on, uh, but don't have much of you to add there. Phil? Well, you know me, I mean, I think this is uh, the Midwest is, is, I don't know, it's benefiting from a lot of what, you know, I don't know, I don't know the term you want to use, but we spent a lot of years giving away uh, manufacturing base of the economy, and now you're seeing areas perk up that kind of both come in areas that were heavily manufactured or if you look at areas like where we're at columbus that never really got impacted by it so you've had a bit of a white collar renaissance and so when you look at things like location access to capital and access to water cheap energy right there's a there's a lot of opportunity here so it's i don't you know i don't know if it's cyclical or if it's going to stick but um certainly in the current environment things are um, are picking up precipitously. Yeah, I think the what's going to give a benefit is the uh to recreate supply chains is not done in a short time frame. It, they're very complex global supply chains that are set up. So that actually to us gives a longer uh uh time frame for this cycle to occur and we don't think you can uh force the transition, which gives it, I think, uh, uh, a longer lead time uh to benefit the Midwest from. So I think that's going to be a, an element of it. I think the other thing is the, the way the supply chains and logistics are changing. Um, companies want to be where they can gr- get to the greatest population in the, fa- in the shortest periods of time. Um, and that... uh has to change because of moving from just-in-time to more resilient supply chains. So you really want to have uh, even multiple sites for your supply chains, as well as uh, access to the key markets in a faster way. And I think that's a, a lot of how people are looking at it, kind of do you set up around the NFL cities or you do set up from the Midwest out um, to think about the big markets. And I think that's really uh, going to be one of the changes but I think rebuilding our supply chains is going to take a while, and that's going to give a lot of legs to the opportunity for the Midwest. I, I totally agree with that, Steve. In fact, um, Intel just announced a big uh, um, cooperation with uh, the government on um, their microchip shortage.